Thanks so much for joining us. Welcome to the Michelle Miao Show. Today is Sunday, so that means we will be hearing from B.B. Sweetbriar. Let's welcome It's Everything with B.B. Sweetbriar. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of It's Everything with me, your hostess, B.B. Sweetbriar. This is the Sunday segment of uh, the Michelle Miao Show. We're here every Sunday at 12 noon Pacific Standard Time. So I hope that um, we're catching a lot of people out of the California zone and hopefully around the country and hopefully the world. It's been a whirlwind of a week for me because many of you who may have tuned in last week to Michelle's show, um, I had a, a, a new song release this past Friday and, and video and all that wonderful thing. It was a a big hoopla of a deal here in San Francisco for me. And with that, of course, goes a lot of work and I'm tired. So today on the 17th, I, you know, was kind of looking forward to sleeping in, but apparently that was not going to be the case. Um, but it was a wonderful kickoff and I appreciated everyone who came out to uh, see the video premiere and to listen to um the, the song Don't Ya, as well as the live performance that I put together um, for the event. So you can get that um, that song on iTunes and Amazon.com. It's called Don't Ya by B.B. Sweetbriar, so look that up. But we do have a full uh, show um, that includes a little behind-the-scenes um, uh, thing that I put together for you all, so you'll hear some of the workings that went into uh, of the video as well as the production of the song Don't You. But I also will have a couple of artists from the film industry uh, join me in discussion of a story called The Love Story for Paco. It's a short film that is directed and written by Amir Jaffer, who happens to also be the director of my music video. And then we'll be joined by the star of the short film, uh, Frank Fanucci, who also happens to be my editor for Gloss Magazine. So they are friends of mine and people I've worked closely with over the years. But this story is very interesting. And I think um, it's something that you'll be interested in coming around to seeing as it makes its premiere um, at the Cinema 3.0, which is a three short film um, uh, viewing of works by Amir Jaffer. Um, and so you will be able to see that at the Delancey Theater on January the 23rd, um, starting at 6.15 p.m. here in San Francisco. You can get tickets at brownpapertickets.com, and um, you can also get a lot more information about those works um, on that site. Um, but I think you'll enjoy the interviews because they're both uh, three in, or two individuals in which I uh, respect and appreciate their work. And um, I'm really looking forward to seeing this. Um, but we're going to actually play my song for you. Yay! So you'll get a little feel of the vibe of Don't Ya, and as soon as that is over, we're going to take a brief commercial break, and then we're going to get into my explanation of the making of the song and the video. So right now, I'd like to bring for you our It's Everything premiere of Don't You by me, B.B. Sweetbriar. Ooh, baby, 
Thanks for listening to the Progressive Voices Network, streaming the best in progressive talk 24-7. Keep the progressive conversation going on by joining our community. Each week, we send out an email that covers important things taking place in the Progressive Voices Network and throughout the progressive world. Be the first to know of upcoming shows, schedule changes, exclusive programming, and more. Simply go to ProgressiveVoices.com and sign up for our mailing list. It's that easy. ProgressiveVoices.com. Thanks for listening, and thanks for joining the Progressive Voices community. Babe, I think we're ready. We're really doing this. Yeah, I'm ready for our family. So where do we start? (laughs) Starting a family is a team effort, and when life needs a little encouragement, Pacific Fertility Center will be right by your side. As a unified team of the best fertility specialists, guided by the highest ethical standards, Pacific Fertility Center provides patients with compassionate fertility care. Visit PacificFertilityCenter.com. This is a true story about two best friends who fell in love and moved across the country to the city by the bay. After many years of dating, Jen and Jacqueline are now planning their dream wedding. It's a big moment in everyone's life when you say I do, especially when you can make choices for your authentic life and your loved ones too. Congratulations, Jen and Jacqueline. Live your authentic life. A special message brought to you by Weatherford BMW. Thank you for staying with us and welcome back. If you're just now joining us here on It's Everything with me, your hostess, BB Sweetbriar, we are the Sunday edition of the Michelle Meow Show every Sunday here at noon Pacific Standard Time. And now you just got through listening to my brand new single rework of the Pussycat Doll hit, Don't Chase, the 10-year anniversary. Can you imagine? Or actually almost 11 now because it's now 2016. But we started actually, um, I recorded that song, I think in September of 2015. And, you know, it's kind of a long process that... You go through and sign it on a label and putting in the promotion gears and doing the music video. And it's kind of a neat when you're working with people that you um, connect with and um, have a great time doing so. The song is produced by the one and only Leo Frappier, who has worked with people such as Mary J. Blige, um, Carly Rae Jepsen, the Icona Pop, um, and Rihanna. It goes on and on and on so it was a real pleasure for me to work with him on this track and i thought it would be good for you to listen in on a kind of behind the scenes the making of not only the single but of the music video video so here is the making of don't you with me and amir jaffer This is my, oh gosh, I think it's my actual seventh song that I've done. But um, this is the first time that I've actually done a cover tune. So this is kind of uh, interesting because I've been used to doing um, first interpretations of music because they've been original pieces. So this was a little different because it was a cover tune and which sometimes can be a little bit more difficult to make it your own because this is not only a cover tune but it was a number one song 10 years ago so it was a popular one and people know the original version very very well don't you wish your girlfriend was hot like me don't you wish your girlfriend was 
song is produced by Leo Frappier, who is well known in the industry and has worked with um, people like Mary J. Blige, Icona uh, Pop, uh, Carly Rae Jepsen. Um, I mean, just he's got a real good resume of uh, remix production with some people, and so he's so good at bringing out uh, vocals and people. That's kind of what he's known for in the industry. Is um, he's really good with vocals, and so I think during our our sessions, uh, which weren't that many, I like I'm happy to say, but during the session, she he really. Um, helped me bring out the best that I could. That was, gave it my signature. And then we did a video, um, of course, to it, which I've always done. I've always, all my videos have been done by Amir Jaffer, um, who's an indie filmmaker in San Francisco. The reason why I keep working with him is number one, it's always great to work with someone that you're familiar with, because they know you, the, the longer you work with someone, the more you guys know each other. And so the process each time becomes shorter and shorter and shorter. But also um, because he brings what I think to each project a lot of um, genuine authenticity. First time I did a video where I was basically the sole person in it. All the other ones that we've done before had a cast of my friends and and family in it and a storyline and they had roles. Well, this one is not like that, and which made it a little bit more difficult for me because I have to carry I have to carry the whole video. I can't rely on someone else making it exciting. Every cut, every cut. I'm in every scene, so um, so that was kind of interesting. It made it made it easier to shoot because you only have to rely on one person. Made it quicker to shoot because you don't have to rely on everybody else's schedules. But it was a little bit more difficult in that I think, you know, from take to take to take, um, I had to try and bring something totally different each time so that it gave him a little bit more to work with. <laughs> All my other songs and messages are pretty pretty real and kind of deep even though the songs are somewhat fun they do talk about one's freedom to be who they are or to stand up for themselves um you know those types of things and this one is not anything like that at all you know it's um not frivolous but you know it's more about relationships and um you know love interest and even maybe a little bit um, aesthetics in it because it does talk about somebody looking better than somebody else. So it, it's a little bit different in that and that's the first time I've ever done something like that. And also this is different because actually a week before we started shooting the video I actually had a heart attack. Um, and which was weird because you know, my first thought was that, oh my God, we're going to be interrupted because everything up to that point was going so well as far as the studio work with it, signing, you know, with Leo Frappier's label for the song. And it, it just very positive. I was on a, an extreme high about the song and then that happened. And, you know, all I could think back was this is going to set back the whole thing. And and in the music industry, setbacks are not good things. A lot of times things, oh, that gives me more time. Well, time is not, you almost have to like strike when the iron's hot. And um, 
this is kind of like what I felt if we if we had a setback that the momentum and the enthusiasm would be lost. But it was fortunate that I got through um, that fairly quickly and without any restrictions whatsoever. So I was able to go to the first shoot on time. And now you're not going to be able to see it in the video, but I have a heart monitor <laughs> while we're shooting this thing. So it's kind of... Um, I don't know, it's just kind of, uh, I'll always remember this shoot for sure. This being distributed through our, through a label and the distribution is through Orchard, which is the second largest um, music distributor in the world behind Sony. And, um, and, and my whole idea about doing a cover tune this time around was because as an indie artist, it is very difficult to write original material and people just grab it. Not everybody's an Adele. And where you can just write, and I wasn't writing at the time, my original pieces based on forlorn relationships, which tends to be, you know, um, kind of what more people can relate to. Um, so I thought, well, if I'm going to do a cover tune, I want it to be something that people do recognize immediately. And then they go, but who's singing that? You know, and I thought that would be helpful in people, in me being recognized as a singer. I'm a female impersonator, yes, but I want people, my, it's not a gimmick for me to be a musician. That is not my gimmick. Um, that is my art, but that's not my gimmick. And I want people to recognize my my vocal talents. And I think this, this song does that for me. The, um, the single and extended mix will be available on January 15th. On, and since it's being distributed worldwide, it will be on every major music outlet out there um but before the 15th it's on pre-orders uh, worldwide on itunes and amazon so all of their world sites will uh, you can order it and then we're releasing a series of remix packages uh the first on january 29th so in two weeks after their initial release and then the week after that there's another set and um the remixes on this package are amazing and um, I guess the best way for me to describe it, it is exactly what it says, remix package. So many times I think a lot of um, production companies put out remixes, uh, packages from artists. And though the songs, the remixes are good, they are all somewhat similar. And the songs that are on the five remixes that are on the remix package are all distinctly different. It's almost like doing a, another song. So instead of me having one don't ya, I have six of them. And um, each one of the remixers did a fabulous job. Um, we have Tweeka Turner, uh, we have Paul Goodyear, we have Philip Grosso, we have Matt Consola, um, and we have Division Four, and we have Leo Frappier. So I just can't wait for you guys to hear all everything because I think you will understand the magnitude of the song. I think it really will.
So hopefully you kind of understand what I was going through, girl. I went through some stuff doing that thing. And, um, it, you know, but I'm still here to tell you about it. And I think it makes me appreciate getting this song out there more than anything. So I hope you enjoyed the song. I hope you enjoyed the the dialogue on, you know, what it took to make it and to get it out there. And hopefully you will buy it. iTunes, Amazon.com. And, of course, you can look it at the video on Vivo or YouTube and Vimeo. So it's on all three of those major um, networks for uh, music videos. But we're going to take another break. And when we come back, I'm going to hear uh, have Amir Jaffer join me, who did the direction of my music video. And he's going to talk about his new project that we'll be viewing at Delancey Theater in a couple of weeks. We'll be right back. I'm Heclina. I've been doing drag here in San Francisco for almost 20 years and uh, over the past couple months I just opened up my club Oasis. It's been going really well. People really seem to appreciate the space. It's something people say San Francisco really needs right now because the city has been changing a lot. I always had this attitude of, of opening a space that was kind of like for everybody and that's just kind of the attitude and the, the uh, the ethics of Oasis is it's kind of a space for everybody. How does it feel to be a business owner? I don't know, you know, it's funny because I still need to, I still have to kind of pinch myself to believe it's actually true, you know what I mean? Like I walk in there and, and I go up to the bar and I go, oh, can I please have a glass of water? You know, it's kind of like, I forget that it's my place. Running gay clubs, it's changed a lot. Um, I think that gay people now, they're everywhere. They don't feel like they have to maybe be in a gay bar all the time, so you have to be much more creative about how you are enticing people to come out to your club. I, I guess I'm successful because I'll just say it, I work really hard at what I do. I also like to provide a really quality experience for people. So yes, you know, people will pay to see my shows and pay to come to my club, but I always like, like to give them something that's worth it. The experience that they'll, they'll leave my shows going, okay, that was worth it, you know what I mean? This has always been my attitude. Um, just to entertain people, and so it seems like that works, you know. I would say to young kids, you know, just kind of form your own identity. And, uh, and you know, don't let others dictate how you should behave or think. Uh, you can always go to uh, sfoasis.com to find out about all the entertainment and nightlife that we have going on at Oasis. If you want to see drag, we've got that for you. If you want to see some queer hip-hop parties or queer dance parties, we have that for you. Spotlight on success and achievement. Brought to you by Wells Fargo. Together, we'll go far. Well, hello, hello, and welcome back, everyone. Um, I hope you enjoyed a little bit of my conversation with you all, the public, about the making of um, my latest single, Don't Ya? And within uh, that conversation there, you heard that I um, had a director for our music video, um, Amir Jaffer, who happens to be a guest of ours today. And I've worked with Amir on several projects, not just music videos, but also a few of his projects that involve short and 
feature films. And he currently has an upcoming viewing of three short films that he has. It's called Cinema 3.0. will be at Delancey Theater, but we'll get a little bit more on the actual date and time of that. But I'd like to talk to him about one in particular that he um, will be showing called Love Story for Paco. So I'm going to go ahead and introduce Amir to you. Amir, are you there? Yeah, hi, Bibi. How are you doing? Thank I'm, you for having me on the show. Well, thank you, and thank you for making yourself available. Um, real quickly, I do want to kind of give some props to all of the films that you'll be showing at your uh, Cinema 3.0 on the... What day is it on, actually? The 20th? on the 23rd. 23rd. On the Delancey... Yeah, and it's at yeah. Delancey Theater, which is... I, I really love that. It's a, kind of a a small viewing house, but it's not really that small because it has like 100 seats in there, so it's a, a real uh, good size. 150 seats. Yeah, it's really great. But you're going to be showing three films. One of them we're going to talk a little bit more in detail about, but um, you, you have one called Chief and one called My Life in Dance. Let's start with Chief. What is that briefly about? Okay, so Chief is basically about a service dog, uh, and it's the owner trainer, Sonia Oldad, and uh, basically it's uh, a story of her um, you know, uh, life, like how, why does she need service dogs? And also, uh, Chief is not just stereotypical service dog. Normally, people think of service dogs, they think uh, a Doberman or German Shepherd. And it's a small uh, terrier mix. And uh, so basically, I was just following them around and seeing, you know, the struggles owner trainers have. Now, now, just to quickly let your viewers, your, your listeners know, that in the United States, people who are disabled, they can train their own service animals that they can afford to uh, get an animal from an organization. So basically, some people agree with this. Um, uh, uh, people train their own service animals. Some people disagree with this idea completely, and they have their reasons. So we're just focusing on why this individual uh, needs a service dog and the challenges she faces uh, in training and, uh, you know, the misconceptions we all have. Uh, about, yeah, uh, about uh, that. Yes. Okay, yeah. and then what about My Life in Dance? So My Life in Dance came about, uh, I was, um, I know uh, uh, Elizabeth Grillo, uh, she's uh, a friend of mine, and she's also a uh, flamenco aficionado, and she takes classes with a bunch of people in San Francisco Bay Area, and she got me involved with Pedro Flamenco, um, and Miguel Santos, who this uh, short documentary is about, he was one of the uh, people who've been teaching in, in the uh, flamenco in the Bay Area for the last 50 years. And so he's 90 right now. Oh, wow. Basic, yeah, yeah. He, he still dances and, and teaches flamenco in the Bay Area. And uh, so this is a short documentary about him. Okay, and um, one of the interesting facts is you're saying that it, he's been with his partner for 55 years. Exactly. And uh, this documentary, I, I you know, it's a short documentary, but I uh, briefly give you history about his life and his journey, and um, he briefly talks about the time he moved to San Francisco with his partner, and how it was like back then when Harvey Mitt was starting, and we get a glimpse of San Francisco back in the day, uh, so it's, you know, a little history for the LGBT community there as well. Because Miguel's from, uh, from Spain, is that correct? No, Miguel is originally from Mexico, but oh, okay. uh, uh, his parents are from Mexico. He grew up in Southern California. Okay. And okay. then, uh, uh, you know, his pursuit for learning flamenco, um, uh, his love of flamenco took him all over the United States and mm-hmm. to Spain. And he learned from the legends of flamenco, like Jose Greco. Um, and then um, he, he moved back to the United States, was in Phoenix. That's where he, where he met his partner. 
and then they move to San Francisco eventually. Okay, got it. Well, that's really, I think those two are going to be very interesting um, because those are two subject matter, well, particularly the um, the um, service dogs or the service animals that we don't really get an insight in a lot, particularly for the for someone who has to actually change the service animal that they have. Um, and I think that I can understand some of the dissension amongst people out there who think that um, you really should be able to have someone professionally train them for the individuals who needs them. I mean, that's just adding another burden to their already, pro, you know, whatever their their physical challenges are. Then you have to train. You know, that's a, that's a lot to ask of somebody yeah. to do. Of course, you have to do yeah. what you got to do. Hopefully, there things like this will help people, um, organizations get the funding so that people don't have to. Um, um, do without um, because of a monetary issue. So yeah, and it's very expensive. Mm-hmm. It's very expensive. Not everybody can afford to uh, get a uh, service animal from these organizations. And and also uh, the the big thing that people don't understand is once you get an animal from a uh, organization, even if you can afford them, you still have to train them according to your needs. Now, right. Sonia, fortunately, is not um, um, you know she has seizure disorders and multiple diagnoses, so she is able to walk around, there are people who are in a wheelchair, um, they need assistance, they need help, um, uh, so it becomes even a bigger problem for them. So through this documentary, hopefully, you know, we can shed light on what it is like and the, the challenges people face in, in general. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Yeah, that's great. One thing, one thing I just want to mention, a Chief is going to be, sub, uh, I'm starting the festival submissions right now, so this will be the first time in San Francisco people will get a chance to see it. And, and whereas My Life and Dance with uh, the Flamenco short documentary of Miguel, that has already been in the festival circuit in fall. We had a world premiere in um, Palm Springs LGBT Film Festival, at Seattle LGBT Film Festival, and then San Francisco Latino Festival, and the Berlin Heights Festival. Now we're still submitting it, and so um, people have been asking where they can see it again in San Francisco. This is the opportunity for them to see it again. Okay, great. Well, coming up now, we're going to talk about the your third installment for your viewing on the 23rd and that's the love story for Paco and this story um, though it's a short story it's kind of interesting as I read the description of it 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 sounds like it should be a feature because (laughs) there's a there's quite a bit in there but um, tell us a little bit about what the story is about but basically, it's a, it's the way I see it. It's a love story, mm-hmm. but uh, it's a love story with a twist. It's not just stereotypical love story. A boy meets boy and falls in love, and you know uh, things are hunky dory. They get married. Um, it's it's a different kind of love story. That's that's how I explain to people. It's about dealing with love and loss, mm-hmm. and uh, it's um, um, you know a very talented cast led by Frank Ferrucci, who you also know, mm-hmm. um, and Danny Jacobs, this actor I met in in L.A. Um, he's also a very talented actor, and one of the actors I worked with quite a lot, Isaac I, Benjamin. Yeah, which I am aware of Francisco. as well. Yeah, yeah. And then Josephine Zeitlin, I, I worked with her in Eternal, uh, the short film compilation we did together. She is one of the short films. So basically, um, uh, it's a love story uh, with a twist. That's how I explain to people um, that don't come uh, thinking that it's something uh, you get to see in, you say, Frameline in the Boy Shorts or you know any other short film, um, uh, LGBT short film, uh, this is this is definitely going to be different. It's a, it's a thriller. That's, that's the well, other and, thing. and one, of the, one of the characters, and I think it's the one that Frank plays in the film, has a problem discerning between the past and the present. Yeah, it's, you know, it's a, when you deal with loss, 
and uh, you know the, the condition this this uh, person had. I won't give, give too much details about it, mm-hmm. but but so he he kind of has a hard time discerning between reality and and fiction because he's also a writer, mm-hmm. and so he has this make believe world uh, in which he finds refuge after being unable to deal with uh, the loss. Uh, the loss. Yeah. Well, that's well. You've worked, you know, like like I said, like you noted in here of the cast, really only one person in there is somewhat new to you as far as working with professionally. Um, you kind of like dealing with um, an ensemble of people throughout your series of films. You've worked with many people in different projects. Um, why is that? Why, why, why do you think that has occurred for you? Well, one of the things is because, you know, you build a relationship and understanding with some actors, and sometimes you click with some actors, sometimes you don't. And the people you click with, what happens is over time you go with them and they understand how you like to work and um, vice versa. Mm-hmm. So then it's easier, then you can, you know, push the boundaries sometimes with, okay, this is what I want you to do, and uh, let's approach it this way, and they get what I'm saying. With with a new actor, sometimes, you know, um, uh, depending on their training and their background, it, it doesn't always happen, and then, you know, I have a hard time getting it out of them. Um, so so with, with working with people over and over again, I actually what I do, I when I make a movie, uh, say another project coming up, I tell them made make the role for them. So I already have them in mind and I uh, so what happens is when they step in the shoes, it's already made for them. That's uh, I was gonna, made for them. Yeah, I was gonna ask you like kinda like how you did that because the way I you know, it kinda looks on the surface would be that when you kind of uh, approach people you're already looking for multi dimensional actors, which you probably are, but I mean, you already have in your mind that, okay, you know, I like to work with uh, the same people as much as I can, so I'm looking for someone who has some depth in their acting, but it's kind of neat to kind of hear you say that once you find people you click with, you kind of develop roles around either their capabilities or knowing what they can bring to a project, which is kind of neat. Exactly. I mean, every, every filmmaker has a different approach, and they may disagree with me, people are listening, but that's, that's my approach, and that's my philosophy. Well, and that's all that matters, is it works for you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, it works for you. Um, now, what is your plan for Love Story for Paco? As the, is this, the, this is the first showing of this film in San exactly. Francisco. Oh, this is the premiere, yeah. the first time ever, right? Yeah, first time ever, mm-hmm. yeah. And so what are and your then, plans for then, that? Then, Plans are to have this uh, in the festival circuit as well as I will be uh, renting it on Vimeo. I have a, a Vimeo account uh, mm-hmm. where I'll be renting this for uh, a very cheap, affordable price uh, that people can start uh, downloading and uh, you know watching it on their laptops, on their tablets, and however they feel uh, comfortable. Well, the good thing is that I do happen to have following speaking with you. I'll be speaking with the star of a love story for Paco will have Frank Finucci will be joining me on this, um, who, who many of you know is a dear friend of mine and I've happened to work with in a film as well. Um, but I want to thank you for definitely um, coming on and talking about these three projects. And I know you're also going to be doing a first look of some trailers that you have on some other things coming up at the, at um, the cinema 3.0. Now, this is going to be at Delancey Screening Room, which is at 600 The Embarcadero. It's really close to the ballpark, um, and it's accessible for those of you in San Francisco on the Muni line. Um, and it starts at 6.15, um, and they ex- you expect that everybody to be out there by 9 o'clock, so that's really good. 
Yeah, 6.15 to 8.45. So if so you have some party plans... Yeah, there's a reception before, we'll have Q&A afterwards, and then we'll, uh, we're selecting a bar close by that we can go and hang out afterwards. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, you can, and you can go party afterwards. It's early enough on a Saturday yeah. for you. So um, so you can and actually go on. Oh, yeah, I'll be there. I'll definitely be there. And you actually can go um, to Brown Paper Tickets, um, and if you type in Cinema 3.0, you'll be able to um, pull it up. And it's brownpapertickets.com. Calm and um, look for Cinema 3.0, Amir Jaffer's viewing of three wonderful shorts. We're going to be right back, and when we come back, we'll be joined by Frank Finucci of Love Story for Paco. Commonwealth Club is a unique organization that brings together people from a variety of backgrounds to explore important issues as a community. Sooner or later, everyone worth hearing comes to our stage. From Marga Gomez to Richard Chamberlain, from James Hormel to Kate Kendall, leading thinkers, activists, politicians, and artists have come to the Commonwealth Club of California. Ted Olson and David Boyes came here to discuss their winning legal strategy for same-sex marriage. Jason Collins talked about gay athletes. The Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence discussed activism and good works. Actor and director Rob Reiner explained how he got Hollywood behind same-sex marriage. Barney Frank described what it's like to be gay at the highest levels of Washington. From healthcare reform to transgender rights, from immigration to gay-owned businesses, it's all at the Commonwealth Club. And that's still just a portion of the 450 programs we present every single year, with new programming nearly every single day. Be a part of the conversation. Learn more at commonwealthclub.org, download our free app in iTunes, and join us in person the next time you're in San Francisco. The Commonwealth Club of California puts you face-to-face -face with today's thought leaders. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back once again. We just got through speaking with Amir Jaffer, director of many films, but he has a series of short films being shown on the 23rd of January at Delancey Theater. Screening, screening room is really what it's called, but it's called Cinema 3.0, where you'll get the introduction of three wonderful short films, including Love Story for Paco, which includes... Uh, a great ensemble of actors, including a very dear friend of mine and someone I have had the privilege of working with on film. Um, I have Frank Finucci joining me. Frank, how are you? Good. How are you? Okay. Thank you so much. We had an opportunity to speak with Amir a little bit earlier, and he shed some light on uh, this what seems like a very good film, Love a story for Paco to the point when I read the description of it, it sounds like it's really a feature film as opposed to what I think a 20 minute short film. Um, when you got involved with the project and got the script, did you think that it was pretty in depth for such a short project? For me, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's probably the most dialogue I've ever had to do. And I mean, as far as the character itself, it's kind of like a double 
part character, so I kind of had to like split my like a split personality. Yeah. <laughs> well, what? But it's kind of interesting. I don't want to give it away, but well, yeah. no, but no. Well, he, we, we do. I do know, and he did tell everyone that this does involve someone who has a, a hard time dealing with reality and fiction. Um, and that your character is a writer and has um, kind of utilized uh, uh, fiction to kind of escape from a loss that you've that you've um, encountered. Um, but you mentioned, you know, it was kind of like playing two things, and it's like it's kind of similar to how your life has been, though. <laughs> True. <laughs> to be, I, I, to be I, honest I, with <laughs> everyone, it's like you know you should be kind of used to having like the hats of kind of some different. Um, things because your your career um, in general has been very vast um, and kind of running simultaneously doing different things, so it's kind of kind of cool on that. But this character does have, I would kind of then figure some not mental issues, but some uh, some problems that deal with your mental you know state of mind. Did did you find it then? Did you have to do some research on that either by looking at other films that had character? people playing certain similar characters or did you pull from anything of any personal experience in dealing doing with this i did i definitely had a few uh netflix nights where i was just <laughs> researching characters before that played like what this character is mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. his his issues mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah i mean it was i don't know it was he's he's had me in quite a few, thinking about this the other day, sort of sort of depressing roles, I guess. Mm -hmm. Because this one has these these issues. Um, before that, I mean, in the one United, I'm basically the angel of death. I've also played a soldier with PTSD. I'm like, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, but you know what? Maybe that, to be really honest, because uh, Amir did mention in our conversation today that you know, he does work with um, a group of people on various projects. He, you know, has kind of an ensemble, I said, of actors and actresses that he p draws upon. And um, to be, he did mention, he goes, well, once you get, he gets a feel for working with people and wants to work with them, that he actually develops characters based on his experience of working with those people. So he obviously has seen through the workings that you are adapt to playing those <laughs> type of people. So um, that, you I don't know, know what that says. I know, because okay. <laughs> this character was written for you. So um, that's kind of, kind of interesting. How was it for you? I know, like, in this particular one, you do have a love interest or a partner in, in this. Um, it is a love story as well. Um, how is it for you to, um, to, to play an amorous type of roles where... You know, you're working with actors who you have to have kind of a deep relationship with your the characters do, but you have no idea who this person is. How do you how do you kind of get ready for those types of things? Uh, I mean, that's not really as, as difficult. I don't think as as the whole mental part. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a bit of a sort of quarrel, I guess you could say, in this. Between, between me and two, two others, lovers mm -hmm. um, quarrel, I, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I don't think that that's something I really felt like I had to prepare for. That was that was more came naturally than than the other. Um, so, have you seen the Have you seen the film? I saw the very first cut. So mm -hmm. I think he's done 
quite a bit of editing since then. But um, and in, in, in your impression of watching it, because like I said, it is this is there's a a lot of deepness that it sounds like in this film. I'm really I'm really excited to see it. But um, but you know, in 20 minutes, is it? Do you think the audience gets out of it what we really should, as far as you know, going through your character and whatever the resolve is in this? Because it does mention that it is somewhat of a thriller. There's obviously some twists in it. Do we get out of it what you think um, Amir intended for us to get out of it? Right. Yeah. Um, he he spoke to us originally. I believe this was going to be longer. Mm-hmm. Um, there was some some reason why. It was to be under a certain amount of time. I think, like a film festival requirement or something like that. Yeah, it's a lot easier um, to get um, shorter films into film festivals, festivals and features because you can throw those because they're short. You can throw them in very right. easily as opposed to like trying to make room for an hour and a half to a two hour uh, feature film. Yeah. Um, so but he probably. is. I mean, he's an amazing editor. He's always mm-hmm. everything that I mean. He's done for you. He's done with me. Everything that I've seen of his. So, yeah, I think he definitely gets the point across. Like, I was a little worried about it at first. Cause I was like, I think this was supposed to be 45 minutes to an hour. <laughs> it's like half of that. I mean, we shot for six days. So, mm-hmm. um, But no, when, I mean, the, the cut that I saw, it, it totally made sense. Great. The only thing that, for me, that was difficult to watch was um, half, of, half of my character, I guess, was is a little hard for me to like look at. It's basically me rolling out of bed and looking like mm, not cute, <laughs> <laughs> like method acting. Yeah, like, well, <laughs> and people should know out there who don't know Frank Finucci, he's also an esthetician. So for him rolling out not looking cute is not a good thing. Uh, <laughs> um, so that that must have been really difficult for you. Well, I'm really excited to see the film, and I'm glad that I'll be able to do so on the 23rd, um, coming up here in January at the Delancey. Um, screening room, which is always a wonderful theater, and it's always a, a great place to to do first time viewings of things like this. So I, I'm really excited. So what else do you have on your plate, if anything, working with either Amir or anyone else in in kind of a film type of um, thing? Do you have anything else that is coming up? Um, Amir's spoken to to me about a couple other things, but I mean, you know how busy he is with mm-hmm. with all of his other endeavors. So I think there's one larger project in the works. Um, that one, I'm not going to be like the main role, mm-hmm. which is probably good because <laughs> that's a lot of work. Like six days in a row is, is hard for me to, you know, mm-hmm. work out of my schedule. But um, I definitely enjoy it. always enjoy working with him. Well, yeah, I know, I know he has the same sentiment toward you. Well, I want to thank you every, very much for taking the time out of your busy day to speak with us here on It's Everything. And I look forward to enjoying the film at, at the same time that you do on the 23rd, okay? All right. Okay, thank you very much. That's Frank Finucci, who is the star of A Love Story for Paco, being screened on January 23rd at the Delancey Screening Room. And I just want to say thank you guys very much for joining me today on this wonderful occasion. It's been a, a nice ride for me this week as we've put out my new single uh, this past Friday. And I hope you get an opportunity to check it out on iTunes or me, Amazon.com and purchase that little thing for me. But I'll say goodbye for now and I'll see you next Sunday. Bye-bye.